0: Nicole. <laughs> Love you. Well, thank you, guys. It's a real honor to be here. Uh, like Catherine said, I usually talk to the itty-bitties, two-, to th- two three-, and four-year-olds. And uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever worked with kids that age, but they have trigger words. And so there's a lot of words I can't use. I have to be very careful about friends, birthdays, Christmas, and Easter. And I made the mistake of last week Uh, mentioning Easter coming up and next thing I knew I had 10 kids around me telling me everything they were going to do for Easter. It was like, okay. So I promise I won't use the word taco because I hear that could be kind of a trigger word. So, (laughs) yeah, anything, food, any kind. Anyway, um, Catherine had asked me, it was the day of the women's conference. We were going to lunch and I was just sharing with her what was on my heart and she said, hey, would you want to come speak to the Grove? And I'm like... You know what? I'm just I'm going to say yes, Um, because I believe that God's calling, not not necessarily calling me out of children's, but I believe the message He's placed on my heart is for more than just the kids. Um, And as I was sharing at a breakout session at the women's conference, I heard God so clearly say, "This is what I have for the Grove." Um, I know you guys have talked about the fruit of the Spirit in the past nine weeks. And I just, I read something by Graham Cook, which just blew my socks off because I actually taught the preschoolers about the gifts of the the fruits of the spirits. And Graham Cook says this, he says, the fruit of the spirit is a more powerful force against the enemy than the gifts. You can defeat the enemy by living in the love of God. You can weary him out by your, your joy. You can depress him with your peace. You can overwhelm him with your patience. You can frustrate him with your kindness. Just by being everything that you are for God, you are automatically against the enemy. The enemy can't put any fear on you if you are basking in the love of God because perfect love casts out all fear. Man, the fruit of the Spirit is powerful stuff. And um, the message tonight... I'm actually singing, I'm actually, I'm not singing. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I'm, I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about the uh, the journey of the Shulamite in Song of Songs. Because there is something so powerful in that message about what the enemy wants to rob us of. He wants to steal that fruit. And he's very subtle. And I just, I, I've been, this is something God About well, two years ago, God was calling me to a deeper place. I began having visions of seeing heaven, and and finally, at one point, I could see God standing in His chamber, and He's like, "Come in here. I want to take you to a deeper place." And I'm like, "Uh, no, absolutely. I love you. You know I love you. You know I'll dance with you. We'll dance in the ballroom. You know I'll be in the presence of Daddy." I'm not comfortable there, and he's like, that's okay, and he, and he, so he just waited, and every time I started to have visions of heaven, I could see him standing there, he goes, are you ready? I'm like, no, I don't want to grow up, I want to stay, I want, I I want to, I, and he's like, he goes, it's time, it's time to grow up, so finally, I said, fine, I give up, do whatever you want, and he goes, I want you to read the Song of Solomon. Now, I grew up in the church, I grew up, grew up in a Pentecostal church. So, um, you know, when we, nobody talked about the Song of Solomon. I remember reading it in high school and we were all like, you know, this was so descriptive. It's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy, you know. But that's all I really knew and knew it was about marriage. And, but I'm telling you, this book, and I read it in the Passion Translation. Highly recommend you guys read it. It will wreck you. Because it's not just about marriage. It is about the love that Jesus has for us. His bridegroom. And where he's calling the church to, I believe, he's calling us to rise up bride and be prepared. So anyway, um, let me just pray. Father, we just come to you tonight. I just thank you for this opportunity. God, I just pray that my words would be your words. I just said yes, God. I just said yes to you. And, and here I am, Lord God. I just, I just ask that everything that you want to, to do in this place tonight have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way in our hearts and our lives. God, may we not leave the same. May we be, may we be Confronted with the truth in love. God, you love us so much. Amen. So the, the Shulamite bride, uh, it starts out, I, I've read this over and over, and so um, the very first verse of, of Song of Solomon, in the Passion Translation, just wrecked me. It, was, it says, smother me with kisses, your spirit kiss divine, so kind are your caresses. I drank them in like the sweetest wine. I could hear, just hear. I could just feel Jesus with His arms around me, saying, "This is. I love you. I love you. Don't you see how beautiful you are? Don't you see what I see? And I didn't. And the Shulamite bride didn't see what Jesus saw either. She's like, I'm unworthy. I'm dark. You know, there's there's things about me. No, 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 no. Everybody was praising her, and the and her." And her bridegroom king was saying, you're beautiful, you're lovely. And she's like, no, 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 yeah, Yeah, okay, I understand. But you feel awkward when you don't understand how to receive. Um, And in chapter 2, chapter 2, the bridegroom king says, The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. It's springtime. And he goes on. He goes, for you are my dove hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. And then he says something to her that just makes her go, oh. I can't go with you. He's begging her to come up the mountain with him. And 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 she's ready to go. And then he says this. He says, You must catch the troubling little foxes, the sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. And her response is, I know my lover is mine and I have everything in you for we just let ourselves in each other. But until the day springs to life and the shifting shadows of fear have disappeared, turn around, go back up the mountain. Man, that's where I was. I was like, I am not ready to go up the mountain. I'm not ready to enter that place and so as I was studying this, I just thought, why, God, why did you use foxes? What is it about foxes that, that are so, why, why is it about foxes in the garden? I don't get it. Because, you know, usually you, you hear about bears and, and lions, you know, but foxes. And I re- remember being in the car with my daughter. And my daughter is a nature girl. I'm serious. She will find a bug, a butterfly, a caterpillar where there are you would never imagine. She will always find something. And so I was in the car with her one day and I was studying this. I was like, God, what is it about foxes? So we started talking about animals. I go, hey, Kendall, what do you know about foxes? And her reaction was priceless. She goes, oh, they're so cute. And I heard Holy Spirit above everything going on in that car. He goes, and that's the problem. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> I get it. Can you put up that picture of the fox? See, we look at little we we see bears and lions. As something that we go, we, you know, we're gonna get our 22 out or our 16 gauge out. We see it coming a mile away. But the foxes, they can rob the garden without us even realizing it. And that is what the enemy is trying to do rob the fruit that God is planting in our lives the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self control. All those are the fruits that God is building. And raising up in in our garden. And God's saying, let's get rid of the little foxes. The offense. The wrong thinking. And we almost look at it as like like a little puppy dog. Like, oh, but I want to hold on to that. It's so cute. You know, we just pet it, we don't want to release it. It's so cute. (laughs) I'll love you, God, but I'm going to hold on to my, my offense. I'm going to hold on to my anger, because they did me wrong, and I'm just just going to hold on here and pet my little fox. And then I did a little further digging, because God said, why don't you look up what flying foxes are? I had no idea. But do you guys know, is the fox up there? Yes. Isn't he cute? Aw, how cute. All right. But... I want you guys to know what flying foxes are. Does anybody know? They're bats. They are big, ugly bats. They aren't just these little itty bitty bats, they are giant fruit bats. They're from the mega bat family and they eat the nectar, the pollen, and the fruit. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what a fence is. I'm sitting here holding a bat. I'm sitting here trying to pet this bat. Bats are ugly. Bats are so ugly. And so, and it was like, you know, when we understand what those little foxes are, like, man, it's so easy to let go. So, what do we do? The Shulamite bride was just was, she became undone, she was just undone after that. She was like, "What do I do?" And and so she began searching for him, and and she had a vision of of the marriage carriage, which is the cross. And it says, "A canopy." Of, uh, it says, "The king made this mercy seat for himself out of the finest wood that will not decay." Pillars of smoke like silver mist. A canopy of golden glory dwells above it. The place where they sit together is sprinkled with crimson. That's the blood of Jesus. Love and mercy cover this carriage, blanketing his tabernacle throne. The king himself made it for those who would become his bride. So the first thing I think, we have to be crucified with Christ. Because I'm telling you, it's not easy to get little, rid of little foxes, especially when you drive in traffic. Uh, that's I have to remind. Myself. And I mean, I'm just as guilty as anybody in, or dealing with my kids. My like, God, please, just give me mercy. Or finances. I mean, I, we had a situation come up that I was like, I could just feel anger rising up in me. And I heard God say, "What are you going to do with it?" I'm like, oh, I know what my flesh wants to do with it. You know, I want to. I want. I want to get angry because this isn't right. And God's like, why don't you let me take care of it? Anyway, God did a miracle for us, and um, it was with our mortgage. Our mor- it was our mortgage went up like three hundred dollars overnight, and we're like, what on earth? Um, within a matter of minutes, Andy had called uh, the mortgage company, and it was down lower than it was originally. So i are like, thank you, Jesus. All right. You know, I'll let you take that. <laughs> and so she begins, she starts, she gets this vision of, of what the crucified Christ looks like. And what that means is we have to lay down everything. We need to die to our, our own wants, our own desires, our, the own rights of the flesh, which is so hard to do day in and day out. I mean, it's, 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 it's tedious Jesus says, Those who want to be called my disciples will take up their cross daily and follow me. I'm like, oh. It's recognizing that every right of our flesh dies. We leave it at the cross and we say, you know what? Jesus, it's yours. I can't carry this anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I'm not righteous with my own self-righteousness. We are only righteous through Jesus. And righteousness simply means in right standing. Before the Father, we are righteous. Our flaws and all. And The Shulamite bride, she was beginning to understand, wait a minute, there's something, there's something beautiful here. And I, I, I want to go with him up the mountain. I believe that a lot of the a lot of the little foxes arise in our mind because it's a battlefield of the mind. Because you know what, I get, I have, I deal with this all the time. I just feel the enemy come in and says, "You're not good enough." Oh man, you've messed that up again. You know, all he reminds me of all my shortcomings. And I just have to, and I just, and I, there's times you have to speak it out the truth over yourself. There is power in our tongues. There is power when we release the word of God through our voice, that that silences the enemy. I, I heard, I heard, um, I saw this video and I thought that is really awesome. Uh, so we're just going to do this really quick. All right, so I'm going to give you two instructions All right? First of all, I want everybody to count to 50 without saying a word, just count in your head. Just begin counting. Okay, now say your name out loud. What happened to your counting? It stopped. Your voice is so powerful, even your mind stops to hear that. I was like, that's awesome. We have power. There is power in the tongue. So there is power of death and life in the tongue. And so that's why I think the battle begins in the mind, that we take every thought captive. All those little thoughts that we think, you know, there's times when we, we do get wronged. And we do feel like, and you know what, they wronged me, and I just, I don't want to forgive them. I just want to hold on to the unforgiveness. You know, I I just, you know, but you know what? That lets bitterness grow in the garden. It becomes a little fox. And it says in the Bible, it says, we must take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, this is a passion translation. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. I've had to take thoughts captive in my... I have to take thoughts captive all the time. But one of the biggest things was um, I had to deal with my mom. My mom and I didn't always get along, and um, I just... if I got straight A's, she always wanted me to A pluses, you know. It was just always being here and her, her, her standard being here, the perfectionist. And I just had to let that go. I just had to say, you know, I'm never going to be enough. I walked away from my mom, and I didn't talk to her for six weeks. And I said, you know what, God, I want to get this right, because I want to be able to, next time I see my mom, I want to be able to say, I forgive you and mean it. And I began digging in the word and learning all about forgiveness and what that meant until finally God said, it's time. You need to go to your mom. You need to, you need, it's time to make things right. And I went to her and I said, listen, mom, there are things that I have not forgiven you for. Things that happened when I was a kid that I still so vividly remember. But I haven't let them go. And I'm just here to tell you that I forgive you. Unforgiveness is so powerful. It will rob you of everything. Sorry, I'm a crier too. So, It will rob you of everything if you let it. It will rob the joy and the peace. It will rob the love. Rob everything. It's basically a fox that sets up a den in, in the garden. And God's saying, I want so much more. The other thing is we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because as we fix our eyes on Jesus everything else fades when we understand that he loves us with our junk and all he's not saying go deal with your junk and then get back to me you know the, the, the bridegroom king he tells her Wait, let's take care of the foxes together he says I'll help you And that's what Jesus does. He doesn't go, come on. You haven't figured it out yet? You know, how old are you? Gee whiz. You know, he's not impatient with us. He just says, I'll wait. I'll wait as long as it takes. I'll wait as long as it takes. Okay. He waits and waits for us. He is such a gentleman. He just waits and he loves us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, I don't know anyone that could have looked at that cross and said, yeah, I'm going to count. Yeah, woohoo, let's go to the cross. What Jesus endured for us, the lashes he took, the crown of thorns that were in his head, the sword that pierced his side, the nails that were in his hands and feet that was that was gruesome that was pain i want you guys to know that one single drop of blood would have been more than enough but god is an abundant god of grace and he and he took it out all out on jesus for us and when we get that picture of what jesus did It wrecks us. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we see everything. You gave up all of that for me. For me. That's unbelievable. That's abundant love. Anyway, so she finally says, I've made up my mind. I'm going to go with you. This time she says, in spite of the shadows and fear. I don't understand where we're going. I don't understand why you love me. But you know what? I'm going to choose to go with you. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to let you love me. And she begins. It's 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 a revelation of. Uh, she begins to see the revelation of Jesus, as she just continues to step out and step forward. And he, he's all the while he's calling her. He's saying, "Come with me. Come with me. You are so beautiful. You are so lovely." And she, until the point, um, until he she's finally go. She's finally at the point where. Actually, I think I skipped ahead. He, finally, he says, he says um, For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. This is Jesus speaking over us. His love wrecks us. You leave me breathless. I'm overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. So she becomes the bride. She embraces who she is. Let me come back to that. In chapter 5, she says, I've already laid... He comes to her again and he goes, come on, are you coming? She's like, I've already laid down my own garments for you. How can I take them up again? It's like this is where the daily part, Jesus is saying... We have to take up our cross daily. We have to check our garden daily. We have to constantly be in check about the little offenses that become huge. It becomes anger. It grows. It breeds more anger and and offense. We can't. Let, I, there was, I had to. I had to go back. God's like, you need. There's people in your past you haven't forgiven. You still have offense with them. And I'm like, oh, okay. I remember sitting in my chair, just going, you know what? I was just showing face after face after face, and I was like, you know what, God? I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Not that forgiveness releases the other person, but it releases from what the enemy wants to do in our in our own hearts. It releases. It it it's big, basically kicking the kicking the uh, foxes out. And I just remember. Just going through, I'm like, God, I, I, don't, I don't want to take offense. I don't want to be easily offended. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to think that, I don't want to, I don't want to be self-righteous. Help me. Help me. And she, being, she sees all of a sudden, she, she goes, My beloved reaches into me and to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. See God wasn't just worried about. God wasn't dealing with this, but he was dealing with the heart. The heart, the things that are so deeply. Have you guys ever had your vents cleaned at the how at a, your house? You know, it's like caked on and I and that's what I saw when I you know, we've had our vents cleaned and it's like amazing what comes out of your vents. You think they're clean, and I really I really got a picture of that when I was reading this. But, you know, we think our hearts clean. We think we've taken care of it all, but there's still there's still that caked on gunk that God just wants to, you know, blow out of our hearts. The bridegroom king sees this, and and he's just like a dad, because as, as parents, as parents, we've watched two of our girls learn to walk. I mean, they're seventeen and twelve. I hope they can walk by now. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Well, they're driving now. That was a scary thing. Thank you, Jesus. We lived with that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, when, when a little one is learning to walk, they fall. They fall. They, they fall. And, and, and parents don't go, after the first time, they go, oh, well, that was a waste. They don't do that. Parents don't do that. Parents like, it's okay, come on, try again. Try again. And that's what this message is not meant to be condemning at all because God is not condemning. uh, Because God is saying, it's okay. You're gonna mess up. It's okay. I'm here. I'll help you. And that's what parents do. Parents come and they say, come on, come on, let's walk. And they take our hand and they help us walk. And that's what God's saying. You know what? I want to walk with you. I want to be there with you. I want, let's get rid of these little foxes, these things that hinder our relationship. Let's get rid of these little things that we so easily overlook for the lions and the bears, for the fear and rebellion, the big things. But let's take care of the foxes because the garden I want to plant in your heart is so The bridegroom king is watching this transformation of his bride, right in front of his eyes. It keeps, sorry, it keeps closing, and and he says something. I just love this. He says, "Turn your eyes from me." Not in a way like, "Oh, go away. I don't want to look at you." You know, not in that way. He's like, she has become so beautiful because she's realizing I can't do this alone. I need your help. I need your help with these foxes. I need your help with the little things. And he is so overwhelmed with love. He says, turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart is undone, held captive by your love. I am truly overcome. For your undying devotion to me is the most yielded sacrifice. How beautiful is that? That Jesus is speaking this over us. He's saying, man, I know you mess up, but I love to see you try. I love to see when you step out. I love to see that you're trying that to me is worth everything. Everything that I endured on the cross is so worth it. So worth it. And the, by the end of the book, she's going, Come on, let's go look and see what's in the garden now. She's dragging him to the garden. It's just a, be- anyway, I just, I really hope you guys uh, get a chance to read this because. This book wrecked me. It's, it's the most beautiful love story. And if you ever want to understand just how much God loves you, I mean, seriously, this book will wreck you. One thing I want you to know is God doesn't discount you. God doesn't discount mistakes. God doesn't, like I said, he just says, He says, it's okay. I'm here. And he forgives and he forgets. Thank God he forgets. My problem is, is I don't. And so when my kids mess up, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. You know? Or when people do things against me, I want to keep a tally. I really do. But God says, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. I love the story of Jonah. You know, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. what do he do? He ran the opposite way. I don't think it was because he was scared. I think he knew what God was going to do. <laughs> I think he knew God was like, he goes, oh, man, God's merciful. God's going to show them mercy. I don't want God to show them mercy. I want to th-. He was throwing a temper tantrum. But I love in chapter 4, because Jonah Jonah was very uh, very much a drama queen. Uh, he was telling, he's like, oh, I'm so angry I am going to die. He he says, says, but Jonah seemed, this seemed very wrong to Jonah that God rescued the city. God rescued the city because Jonah was obedient. I can't imagine. I kind of, I picture him going into Nineveh going, God says he loves you and has, you know. And they took that. They believe, you know, they're, they're like, what? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, and so Jonah is... Pit, it, at the very end of Jonah, he is sitting there. He's got, he's got his big gulp and his popcorn ready for the show. He's like, God's going to smite him. And I've got a front row seat. I'm going to watch this. God's like, you want a plant to go with that? So God causes a plant to grow and then die. And then God says... Uh, is it right for you to be angry? And and uh, he says, "Lord, take my life away. It's better for me to die." I mean, seriously, it's like that's a temper tantrum, a teenage temper tantrum. <laughs> anyway, he says, "Well, what about the plant I gave you?" He goes, "Oh, it would be better for me to die," because he's sitting there scorching in the sun the very last thing God says, and I've got this out of the Amplified, it's beautiful. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 innocent people who do not know the difference between their right hand and left hand and are not yet accountable for sin? You see, babies are innocent. Babies don't, can't tell right from wrong. And the Ninevites, they've been horrible to the Israelites, but God said they don't. They, nobody's ever told them about me. Nobody's ever shared the good news, and so and that's how it leaves Jonah. I'm like, going, I wonder whatever happened with Jonah. The only thing I ever read about Jonah was uh, Jesus used him as an illustration of how he was going to die. How Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, and he came back, and that's the only illustration of Jonah. I'm like, whatever happened with Jonah? I'm like, did he realize that? Because you know what? I believe that the fruits of the spirit when they are when they are working in their purest forms together they paint the character of Jesus. And and that's and there's no more powerful name than Jesus. There's nothing more powerful than that. And so as we allow those fruits to develop in our lives and we learn to root out the offense, to root out the anger, to root out everything by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus because it's not that every, anything's going to change, but where we're looking changes. We're not looking at our circumstance going where are we gonna where am I going to come up with enough money for that? How am I, get, how am I gonna how am going how am I going be able to pay these bills this month? It's not focusing on our circumstances, but it's saying, God, I recognize you. This is your problem. I'm your child. I've told God that several times. This is your problem, God. You take care of it. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel like I have an honest relationship with God. Sometimes it's a little, okay, God, look. I didn't like that, you know. And and you know what? And he, But he's so good because there are people that can speak into our lives. They can speak those harsh truths that we don't wanna hear. My mom was not one of those people. And so anytime she'd say, well, you need, I was just like, no, 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 Not listening, but there's other people in my life that I know when they're saying something that, that I should listen, that there's, there's something powerful there. And you know what, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the same. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. He'll like, I know you messed up. It's okay. You know what? What what, what should you do next time? I probably shouldn't have flown off the handle at my kids. That was probably really bad. Yeah, it kind of was. But you know what? You can make this right. You can can go say you're sorry. And And you can make everything right. You know what? He's so gentle like that. And he he knows how to speak to us in a way that we understand. Tonight, I feel like there's people here that they've held on to offenses or unforgiveness. The big ones I'm seeing are unforgiveness. You know, even finances can become a fox that we hold on. I earned it. It's mine. This is something my husband and I. Hi, babe. That's my husband. <laughs> anyway, um, we've had to deal with that, You know, we had a poverty mentality that what we thought, we thought we were thinking that we earned this. So we need to decide who, how it's spent. And God so convicted me through a message. i was like, oh, I went to him. I said, hey, I think we're supposed to be really givers. It means relinquishing. It's like, here you go. You know, sometimes it's so hard to do. But God is calling us to that place of obedience where we are fully surrendered. Not just areas of our lives, areas of our hearts. He wants the whole thing. He wants the whole mess. He loves the whole mess. He says, just come. I'm here. The bridegroom was giddy. He's like, yeah. She finally gets it. She finally got it. That I, I I don't care that she's got a mess. I don't care that there's foxes. We'll deal, we'll deal with the foxes in time. He's like, he's saying, I oh, can't just come to me. Because I believe this is where God is calling the church to arise, to arise and recognize our place as the bride of Christ. The bride of Jesus. Is coming back for us. Let's just pray. Father, we just come to you tonight. Holy Spirit, we just come to you right now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. The Holy Spirit just wants to begin to expose the foxes. Expose those places in our lives where we have even unreal without even realizing it, we've allowed the enemy to take a hold. So Father God, we just ask you to come Holy Spirit, just show us just show us the areas, not in a condemning way. We know you don't do that. But as one that says, hey, I just, it, oh, it's going to be so beautiful. I'm building a beautiful new thing in you. I believe there's people here, that finances. I just want to, I'm here to attest that you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God because it's not based on our checking account; it's based on His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I just want to invite you, anybody that wants to come up here, and for prayer, I want to invite the ministry team to come. We just ask, we just say, Holy Holy Spirit, just come do a work in all of us. We don't want to leave the same. Change our heart. Change our mindset. Help us fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen.